1,300% spike in the number of illegal Chinese immigrants arrested at the U.S. border, many of them military-aged men. Why are they coming? We have this giant mass of Asians coming in saying, please, and they make this, please, arrest me. It's very unusual. A $40,000 check traced back to China that landed in President Biden's bank account. What accusations is the president facing tied to his family business? Loyal communist soldier or frustrated reformer? Chinese citizens and leader Xi Jinping all paying their final tributes to the former Chinese premier. And a tragedy in China involving over a billion dollars in vanishing savings. Over 600 days later, demonstrators are still taking a stand. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A big jump in the number of illegal Chinese immigrants heading into the U.S. From January to September, Border Patrol arrested over 20,000 Chinese migrants arriving through the border. The total almost 13 times more than the same time last year. A volunteer serving hot oatmeal to the border crossers said one thing caught his eye. When we're used to seeing border crossers here, Central Americans, Mexicans, trying to avoid the border patrol, and here we have this giant mass of Asians coming in saying, please, and they make this, please, arrest me. Where's, where's the guy who's going to arrest me? It's very unusual for this area. Some of them say they hope to escape the repressive political climate and the bleak economic prospects at home. The government was oppressing us and trying to collect our lands with a really low price. Then they asked a bunch of gang members and their staff to beat us up and have conflicts. Chen said this video clip shows local officers assaulting his uncle and fellow farmers. He adds that the journey from China to the U.S. isn't an easy one. It was not easy to get here, climbing mountains and waiting, basically went through everything. Many of them first fly to Ecuador without a visa. From there, they trek through jungles in Panama's Darien Gap, then across several Central American countries before reaching the U.S. Many enter the country in the San Diego area. I don't know the future. I don't know. For authorities, gauging who truly needs protection can't be a touchy subject. Lawmakers saying over 90% of the illegal Chinese immigrants in 2023 are single adults. Officials are concerned that they could engage in espionage activities. $40,000 in allegedly laundered China money reportedly landed in President Biden's bank account. The House Oversight Committee is presenting evidence of the transactions between the Biden family and their Chinese business partners. Chairman James Comer explains how the money ended up in the account in September 2017. Watch. Not only did he lie about his son Hunter making money in China, but it also turns out that $40,000 in laundered China money landed in Joe Biden's bank account in the form of a personal check. First, Northern International Capital, a Chinese company associated with CEFC, wired $5 million to Hudson West 3, a joint venture established by Hunter Biden and a CEFC associate. Then Hudson West 3 sent $400,000 to an entity owned and controlled by Hunter Biden. Next, Hunter Biden wired $150,000 to Lion Hall Group, a company owned by James and Sarah Biden. 
Sarah Biden then withdrew $50,000 in cash from Lion Hall Group. Later the same day, she deposited it into her and James Biden's personal checking account. A few days later, Sarah Biden cut a check to Joe Biden for $40,000. The memo line of the check said loan repayment. Comer added that even if the $40,000 check was a loan repayment from brother James Biden, it still shows how Joe Biden benefited his family cashing in on his name with money from China. This new allegation could push forward Biden's impeachment inquiry. The committee previously made public a $200,000 check also from James Biden to Joe Biden. It was dated 2018 and was also labeled as a loan repayment. Former Chinese Premier Li Keqiang has been laid to rest in Beijing. Chinese leader Xi Jinping and other top officials attended the funeral. Citizens also paid respect in his hometown. But are they commemorating Li for the same reason the party is? Let's take a closer look. The Chinese Communist Party called Li Keqiang, quote, loyal communist soldier. Among Chinese people, he was commonly seen as a pro-reform leader who wanted to bring about certain changes. But in his 10-year tenure under Chinese leader Xi Jinping, he accomplished few of those goals. Li retired earlier this year and died of a heart attack last Friday. His sudden death triggered widespread suspicion about Xi Jinping and his attempts to cement his power over the Communist Party. With Li's death, uh, with foreign ministers disappearing, defense ministers disappearing, generals uh, disappearing, it's quite clear that his grip and his control over the party uh, is uh, tightening, um, which is not a good thing for the Chinese people and not a good thing for stability in international politics. Li was the last representative of China's technocrats, or those who climbed the ladder from an everyday citizen to the top levels of party leadership. In the last decades, technocrats have been pushed off the political stage. That's in favor of those from more elite families, often with former officials in their ranks. Li Keqiang was not part of the second generation of the old communist leaders, but he made it to the party's core leadership. These kinds of people hope that the economy will continue to develop, that their interests will be protected, and that reforms can be sustained. Large-scale memorial activities honored Lee in at least two areas in recent days, Hefei City, Lee's hometown, and Zhangzhou City, where he worked. People waited in long lines to pay their respects. Beijing's censorship engine stepped in just hours after the announcement of his death. Almost all social media comments on the topic have since been removed. Experts suggest the bloc is an attempt to discourage Chinese citizens from organizing protests. A lawyer from China says he sees Li's death as a possible turning point. To protect his safety, we gave him anonymity and distorted his voice. Under the current system, China is a pool of stagnant water. No matter whether it's direct or indirect, if something can lead the people to stir up the stagnant water, it means there's hope for the future of Chinese society. Anything is better than dying in this stagnant water state. So I personally think that Li Keqiang's death may become an event or a turning point for the future. China affairs analyst Tong Jingwan says people are seeking an opportunity to vent their resentment towards Xi Jinping and that their memorials for Li are less so about honoring his accomplishments and more because of their dissatisfaction with China's current rule. 
a major discussion on nuclear arms control. U.S. officials are meeting with Chinese officials for talks on nuclear arms. The meeting marks the first U.S.-China talks on the subject since the Obama administration. The meeting comes as the U.S. assesses how to minimize the nuclear threat from Russia and China. Washington also wants to lead a slowing down of the three-way arms race between the superpowers. The meeting is set to take place in Washington on Monday. China says a leading official from its Department of Arms Control Affairs will lead their delegation. A U.S.-based China expert described his expectations for the meeting as modest. That's given the strained relationship between the two countries. Russia has not yet responded to the U.S. requests for talks on nuclear arms control. The chief of space operations for the U.S. Space Force has a warning for Washington. General B. Chance Saltzman told Nikkei Asia it's fair to assume Beijing would target America's space capabilities if war broke out over Taiwan. The U.S. heavily relies on space for intelligence gathering, communication and early warnings. General Saltzman explained that disrupting U.S. gear in space could interfere with the mobilization of troops in the early stages of a conflict. Backing up that concern, he cited China's investments into creating technology able to take out U.S. space technology, saying, quote, the pace with which they've been able to put those capabilities in play and the scale at which they are putting those capabilities is the most alarming. An annual Pentagon report says Beijing is developing directed energy weapons, satellite jammers and ground-based anti-satellite missiles. Over in Beijing, representatives from 11 U.S. agriculture groups met with their Chinese counterparts. The trip is one of the largest delegations of industry representatives to visit the country since 2016. Here's what U.S. Ambassador to China, Nicholas Burns, said at the Agricultural Forum. There is a complementarity here. China produces a lot of food. It's a major food grower, but it also has a need to import. The United States is the leading agricultural country in the world, and so it is a good marriage of two countries. He said relations with China are the most consequential for the U.S. compared to ties with any other country. The forum focused on strengthening agricultural trade. Industry leaders from both countries were present, including the U.S. Soybean Export Council and the U.S. Grains Council. Just a week before the forum, Chinese grain buyers signed a series of non-binding agreements during a trip to Iowa. The deals include the purchase of billions of dollars of agricultural products, mainly soybeans. China has been seeking to diversify its import sources for crops, with Brazilian soybean imports up 18% in the first nine months of the year, compared with the same period in 2020. In comparison, arrivals of U.S. beans increased 8%. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is planning to raise the case of a detained writer with Chinese leaders. The decision comes after the writer's sons sent out an open letter pleading for help to secure their father's release. We are very sympathetic and understand uh, the concerns that they would have uh, for uh, their father and for uh, this Australian uh, who has been uh, detained now for a long period of time. Yang Hunjun is an Australian blogger. He previously worked for Beijing's Ministry of State Security. He often campaigned for democracy in China, but has avoided directly criticizing authorities. In 2019, Yang was arrested under so-called espionage allegations from Beijing. 
According to the open letter, he has endured hundreds of interrogations over the course of 18 months, including six months of severe torture, which left him in critical condition. Albanese is set to travel to Beijing on Saturday and meet with Chinese leader Xi Jinping on Monday. An update on one of the longest-lasting protests in today's China. Now spanning over 600 days, victims of the Chinese banking crisis say they have no choice but to keep demonstrating. Protesters told NTD that local authorities have been pressuring them to keep the situation quiet. Let's zoom in. Here on a highway inside of China's Hunan province, dozens of people marched in protest over their lost savings, worth more than a combined $1.7 billion. The financial turmoil links to a banking crisis that began last year, when bank customers were locked out of their deposits. Over a thousand of them, with large sums in their accounts, have been hit the hardest. Protesters are sharing a single request, return the lost savings. Back to the latest protest. Police soon arrived on site confronting the unarmed protesters and tearing down their banners. Some of them were also blocked from outside communications after getting arrested, with family members reporting lost contact with their loved ones after the incident. No one heard anything about protester Xi Jinjiang after 6 p.m. yesterday at a police station in Jingzhou City, Henan province. We don't know what happened to them. After almost two years with none of the lost savings returned, affected bank customers say they faced great hardship. I'm a small business owner. My wife and children have all left me after the crisis broke out. My factory has closed down and I had to lay off all my employees. I have many loans that I can't pay off and I'm unable to keep the business running. It's ridiculous because there are millions of dollars in my bank account, but I've somehow become a defaulter. I have sick elderly people and school-aged kids at home and a mortgage to pay. My company can't even pay employees' salaries. Large deposit clients like Chen and Wang say pressure from authorities has added even more stress to the ordeal. We've tried to ask for money many times, maybe about 10 times, but we either had the police talk to us or were illegally detained. Right now we're facing a dead end. Life is unbearable and we can't go on. Our families are falling apart. Residents in Hunan became unable to withdraw their savings from four rural banks last April. That incident later exposed a much larger crisis in China's financial system. Most banks in China are state-owned. Coming up, as the war between Israel and Hamas terrorists rages on, Israel's name is conspicuously absent from online maps in China. A Chinese spokesperson cited limited space as the reason for the omission. But is there more to the story? And what could the discovery mean as war intensifies between Israel and Hamas terrorists? To discuss, we sat down with geopolitical analyst Brandon Weikert. He's the author of The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. We're on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Israel's name is missing from online maps in China, at least. This as the Chinese regime seeks closer ties with the Muslim world. What could the discovery mean as war intensifies between Israel and Hamas terrorists? To discuss, we sat down with geopolitical analyst Brandon Weikert. He's the author of The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. 
Brandon Weikert, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Brandon, to begin, we saw Israel disappear from China's version of Google Maps, Baidu. What's the message here? Uh, well, China is doing what they always do. The hidden hand of China can be felt in pretty much every major conflict of the last few years, from Ukraine now to the Middle East to even what's going on in Central Asia. Uh, the China has been making bold moves, and they do these moves not overtly. Uh, that's part. I mean, that they can do that too. But what they choose to do is sort of these subtle moves, where they will send a signal to Israel saying, "Hey, we don't recognize your country anymore." Now, now, the, what's left unsaid is unless, unless Israel does something that Beijing wants. And so, uh, you know, but this is this is China signaling that it's getting more involved and where its sympathies lie right now, which is not with the people of Israel. Now, at the same time, China's foreign ministry is saying that ties with Israel are still solid. How should we read this? Uh, well, you know, the, there's a, a tightrope. Uh, that both sides have to walk because Israel also wants to have good relations with China because it's the second largest economy in the world. China is making bold moves geoeconomically to get more involved in the Middle East. And uh, China, for its part, very badly wants to gain access to that very lucrative high-tech uh, sector in Israel. It's a way for them to backdoor and gain access to critical American technology that we have for the last several years uh, slowly cut them off from access to. So there's sort of this dance going on where China has a desire to isolate Israel on the world stage, to pressure the Israeli leaders, basically to make Israel less reliant on the United States and make the Israelis look more to Beijing uh, as a possible peacemaker in the region. And on that note, in terms of the Israel-Hamas war, China is calling for a two-state solution. How would that work, given that Hamas vows to destroy Israel? It's it's completely ridiculous, and the Chinese are they're out of their element if they're even being serious right now. The two-state solution is no longer viable. Uh, Gaza had the opportunity to elect a leadership democratically in 2006, and they chose poorly. They chose the Hamas, which is entire in purpose, as you note, is the obliteration of Israel. Uh, Gaza has a very fortuitous location by the sea. It should be the Singapore of the Mideast. Instead, it's the Somalia. That's Hamas's fault. So as long as Hamas via, or rather Iran via Hamas and Hezbollah to the north and even Fatah, the rival party to Hamas, all of those groups are in hock to Iran. As long as Iran controls those groups and those groups are committed to Israel's destruction, there is no two-state solution. There, there can't be. And you mentioned China's involvement, either covertly or overtly, if they wanted to. What is China's here to gain? Yeah. Well, so they want very badly to basically be the dominant power in the Middle East, uh, the outside dominant power. Uh, and so they need to push the Americans over the horizon. They need to ensure that the Americans no longer have a leverage point over China. China gets a large chunk of its uh, oil and natural gas from the Middle East. And so the Americans right now, with all of their access to the Middle East, have the ability in the event of a conflict with China to cut off access to Chinese access to their energy needs. And so uh, by pressuring the Americans, by putting pressure on American proxies like Israel or the Sunni Arab states uh, through Iran, 
the Chinese can basically push the Americans out and force whatever proxies remain to become reliant on China to protect those uh, Middle Eastern powers from Iranian Roth. And that's what the play here is. They need access to the or dominance over the energy sectors of the Middle East. And then they also want to gain access to the high tech sectors in places like Saudi Arabia and Israel. Brandon Weikert, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.